Hey MW, it's Melissa and Stephanie Carcace, two sisters and the founders of Millennial Women and your host of Millennial Women Talk. We're so grateful you're sharing your time with us today. By tuning into this episode, you're investing in becoming the best version of you. And we are thrilled to be on this journey together. Francia Raisa is an actress, activist, and overall inspiring woman. You may remember her from the hit series, The Secret Life of the American Teenager, and most recently, Grownish on Freeform. This conversation was so special as we spoke to Francia live in Los Angeles at the Hispanicized Conference in front of a live audience. Francia teaches us how to be proud of your culture, how to not be defined or limited by labels, and how to truly rally around each other to create an abundance of success as a community. There were so many insightful moments on this episode, but here are some of our favorites. You know, it's hard, it's hard, it sucks, it sucks. And then on the other side, you're like so grateful for that sunshine that it's such a powerful lesson. I wouldn't be able to sit here and talk to you guys the way um, I am had I not gone through all of that. No one can speak for you better than you can speak for yourself. And that's something that I'm really, really trying to be better about is to stand up for myself. And you can do it gracefully without having an attitude. Just be like, hey, this is my business. Because at the end of the day, it, you're your own business. You're the CEO of you, of your own company, and you have to run it without apologies. Okay, MW, the journey to getting closer to the best you starts right now. <laughs> We're so happy and grateful to be at Hispanicize. This is such an important conference, I think, for our community. And we are beyond, beyond thrilled to be here. So, yeah, to tell us a little bit about us. My name is Stephanie. And I'm Melissa Carcace. We are two sisters and the founders of Millennial Women. It, we are a multimedia company that curates inspirational and resourceful content for the women of our generation. The heartbeat of our company is this. It is our Millennial Women Talk podcast where we travel city by city to uncover the challenges that millennial women are facing and learning how to overcome them together. But today's episode is very special because we're taking what's on the road here to Hispanicize with our very dear friend and inspirational millennial woman, Francia Raisa. So welcome all of you and welcome Francia. Thanks for having me. Of course. You're acting like we haven't been friends for like 10 years. A really long time. It wasn't just random. Like she texts me, can you do this? <laughs> and we were so happy you said yes. 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 Glad I was able to do it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Well, for the few of us that may not know you, Miss Francia Raisa, the amazing woman that you are, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, before I do that, first of all, I got to say I'm proud of you guys because this is really cool. No, it's really cool. I mean, I know a long time ago, and I'm telling you guys, we've known each other for over 10 years. We were, what, in a friend's apartment. Oh, my gosh, yes, Tiffany's apartment. Tiffany Thornton's apartment. Yes, I just remember. Just dancing, like, what are we going to do with our lives? Oh, Only no. two Latinas there. And I was, like, the younger sister living in Miami, like, yeah. watching my sister back then in MySpace, posting all these pictures with yeah. Francia, and I was like, oh, my God, I want to be a part of this. this so I came for a summer. Yeah. And... It was a summer. This was back when I was on Secret Life, right? Yes. Yeah. It was. So it's been a it's been a journey. So a bit about myself. I'm uh, Mexicana Hondureña. Um, born and raised here, first generation. Grew up speaking Spanish. Learned English when I was six, thanks to Hooked on Phonics. I had that too, actually. Really? Yeah, I really did. And then I would have my brother, and my sister, be my students, and then I was the teacher. It they works. It did. It, it did works. Work. Um, maybe we'll bring it back. But um, I started acting my junior year of high school. Um, I started auditioning and stuff, and I booked my first thing, well, the first big thing, um, which was Bring It On All or Nothing, my senior year of high school. Hey. <laughs> 
It's so funny. Anytime um, I see my makeup artist, Etienne, he's always like, Te dije que traías tu, tu culito de pastilla para acá. And uh, my dad wrote that line. Cause I, well, because they had um, written something. And I was like, this isn't funny. So I went to my dad, and he goes, say this. But I was 17. No entendí. Until later on, I was like, oh, my gosh. It's really funny. So wait, so the script didn't say this, and you asked your father to put input. That's super interesting. Well, they had something. It just didn't make any sense. Okay. Yeah. It, well, we're going to get into that. We'll sure. get into that. <laughs> but I appreciated, though. I appreciated that they let me add that because, I mean, I was 17. This was in 2005? Five? Five? Yeah. 2005. And so that wasn't a thing back then. Like, you know, Spanish here and there, but oh, no one really spoke Spanish in American television. So I was, uh, no, it, uh, not at all. So I actually really appreciated that they let me do that. And so I've implemented it here and there with every project that I do, thankfully. But um, yeah, and then I started, uh, I booked Secret Life about two years later, and I had done a couple movies in between, and it's been a roller coaster of a ride, and now I play Ana Torres on Gronish. Yes. Which is yeah. so exciting. But before all of that, what was that journey like for you? I, you know, it's funny because we kind of, we're, we do the same auditions and we yeah. do the same type of things, but you know, it's so minimal the roles that get mm -hmm. offered to us. Mm -hmm. What was that journey like for you in between jobs, mentally and emotionally, you know, on this process? Because it's not that easy to get roles. No, it's not. And it was, for me, I got really lucky. It was easy kind of at first. So I started auditioning when I was 16 and I mostly did. And whenever you start in this industry, you do the commercials, you do print jobs, all that stuff. And then Bring It On was kind of a fluke. Like they were looking for Latina, dancer, cheerleader, all that stuff. And I was a cheerleader in high school. I was a former dancer and I was like, I'm Latina, here we go. <laughs> so then I booked that and I was like, I can't believe it was that easy. And then life hit and I was like, oh, it's not. And I remember being frustrated because I would get auditions sometimes and I would walk in and everyone was blonde. And I immediately, you know, we self-sabotage and I self-sabotage. I'm like, they're not going to book me. Like they're looking for a white girl. But it was just saying that they're, you know, looking at all ethnicities, they brought me in. But it was just such a waste of time. And like you spend money like for just for auditions, um, whether it's like, you know, for clothes so you could fit the part to get coached, which it's not easy to get coached. And I don't like going to any audition unless I get coached. And so you go and, and you put yourself through all this stress and time and then just to walk in a room and be like, they're not looking for anyone like me. That sucks. But why do you think that, so you were just being sent out to all ethnicity roles? There was never any like Latina specific roles or how was that? Was Did you ever feel like you were being stereotyped in any way? Like tell us a little bit about that audition process and even from your representation, how you felt at that time. Well, there were Latina specific type roles, but it was like typecast, like sexy, the sassy, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. So actually I was very happy when they started doing all ethnicities because it was, it was a, a smudge in the door. It was like a, a, a little shove because before it was like, no, you don't have a shot. So even if, okay, I might not have a shot, at least I'm putting myself in front of someone to show them I'm actually talented because casting directors, and I'm learning this, they want you to do well. They don't want you to fail. So if you blow them away, then they'll remember you for anything else that comes up. It happened to me one time. I remember I went in for a pilot that didn't get picked up and I went in for one role and they said, okay, we really like you. You're not this part, but come back for a different part. Okay, I came back. 
okay, we really like you a lot. You're not this part, but come back for a different role. And the role I know was supposed to be white because her name was Grace. (laughs) (laughs) And just from reading the script, I'm like, she's supposed to be a weta. But they really liked me that they actually switched it. And I remember, and the the showrunner doesn't know this, she might find out now, but we were shooting in Virginia, and I remember going to Virginia, and I showed up to the fitting as soon as I landed, and I hadn't walked in the door, and I heard her he- speaking, and I heard her on the phone saying, no, she's Latina now, so we have to change her last name. She's Latina, and I was like, wow, I was right. They didn't want Latina. They wanted white, so they changed it because, you know, you work hard, and I changed their mind, and it can happen. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. So I want to talk a little bit because you mentioned something about like self-sabotaging. And I think Mm -hmm. that um, sometimes we do hear these things. Well, there's no opportunities for us. Um, You're a woman, so you have it harder, right? Just these narratives that get implanted in our minds and then they just grow these narratives. It is harder for women. That's not wrong. It is harder. So, But do you feel like, did you ever feel like because you were a Latina and a woman in your whole mental journey an emotional journey, did you ever, not regret it, because that's who you are, but do you ever feel like, man, you know, this really sucks? Yeah, like... Never. 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 I have been so proud of my culture my whole life, and I know it's because of my parents. My dad is a proud Hondureño. My mom is a proud Mexicana. And my dad, when he first came out here, um, someone told him, if you can't speak English, you're not going to make it. And he goes, watch me. And now he has a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Y no habla inglés. He does not speak English. And he made sure that we grew up eating frijoles and tortillas, only spoke Spanish at home, only listened to Latin music. My first concert was Rocio Dulcar. You know, I was begging for like Britney Spears <laughs> and he was like, no, but I, I'm so glad that they implemented that in me. And I remember I didn't realize that I was, I guess, different until high school okay. when um, it was like the very first. Per- yeah, it was the first time I'd ever heard you're in America speak English. And it was actually another Mexican that told me that. That's so crazy. But that also goes to show how, like, when you're, I guess, young, yeah. all these things don't really exist. Like everything is just like. It's just not, there's no barriers. You're young. And then you start hearing these barriers implemented from society, et cetera. And then all of a sudden now that's kind of what divides us, right? Yeah, but yo de terca, I was like, and? Hola. Like, <laughs> just stubborn, you know? And I was, and Thank so God that actually. Parents. That's amazing. Yeah, well, that would make me mad. So it yeah. made me want to represent myself even more. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time I had someone tell me, when you go into an audition, don't say your name um, the way you do, which my name is Francia Raisa. I roll my R's because that's how you pronounce it. They said, make it more American. I said, what does that mean? And I got so angry and I'm like, hola, I'm Francia Raisa. I'm reading for Danielle. <laughs> but this stuff happens. I mean, I can it relate happens. to this 100%. <laughs> I mean, Mel, you changed your last name at they one point. They made me change my last name to Fiori, which honestly sounds Italian to me. And I don't understand why they made me do that. But it's still I can, white. Because it's still <laughs> white. Exactly. And it was like, Gargache. And I would say, Melissa Gargache in auditions. Yeah. It was so embarrassing because I was like, maybe I shouldn't be saying it. And it's funny because I had almost the opposite feeling from you where I almost felt like maybe I should have to change. Yeah. Because... You guys, growing up in Miami, you know, everybody is like Cuban or Venezuelan or there's so much culture, just like here in in Los Angeles. And I didn't realize that I was quote unquote Latina, like a label until I moved here. And then I couldn't audition for like roles that Tiffany was going on on, who's blonde hair, blue eyed. And I was like, well, why can't I go on in that role? And they're like, because you're Latina. And I'm like, but what does that mean? So I personally hate labels because of it, because 
truly, especially in our generation, millennials, we're so diverse and we're so like, we come from all different types of backgrounds that it's like, what's the point of even labeling ourselves? You know? Yeah, there's not. I mean, we're all the same. I'm like, we all eat and shit the same. Like, exactly. it smells. <laughs> so what's the, what's the point of this label? And I'm so glad that there's a change now where it's like, that's why I'm going back to the open ethnicities. I'm so glad that that's in there now because now they can see that, you know, there is human out there. Like, there are human beings out there. there we are diverse. We are different. And But just because our skin might be different or we speak a different language doesn't mean that we, our, our spirit is different. You know, we all go through growing pains, which is what I appreciate about all the roles that I've played is I've, you know, talk about growing pains. You know, in Secret Life, it was high school. Now it's college. I don't know how I still look the same age, but I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> you really do. You have an age. That's the Latina we had genes, a deal. man. The Latina genes. Prayer works, guys. <laughs> um, That's so funny. No, but you know, on, on that note, a lot of limitations, and I'm sure you've encountered this too, have come from executives, managers, agents. My God, they never knew what the heck to do with me. And I think I felt, I went through so many reps and so many things. I know, I want to talk about that with you because it's hard. <laughs> it is, and I have floated around a lot too. And I, I personally hate that because I really just want to stay Same. put in one spot. But back then, they really didn't know what to do with me. I mean, I thankfully booked a lot. Again, we had a deal. Um, I thankfully booked a lot, but it was still such a roller coaster where it was like I had to constantly prove myself. And it didn't matter that I had done a TV show. After that TV show, it was back to being hard because I didn't have the right reps to like really guide me on what to do. I had friends sitting me down like, you should be doing A, B, and C. I'm like, I didn't even know A, B, and C existed. And so, you know, I've had to float around a lot, but now I'm like still walking in rooms with reps and I'm like, hablo espanol, aprovechen. And I'm still like, like, they're like, no, we know. I'm like, okay, but do you? Because, you know. Do you feel like, okay, I, I'm trying because I always love to see things through both perspectives, right? And I, I kind of see like executive, an agent, et cetera. It's like there is two markets, right? So there is like, the, the very Latin market, Spanish speaking. And then there is the Latin uh, market in America that it's kind of like, like us, like we speak English and we are kind of like a mix of our cultures and American, right? Yeah. And so I think as like maybe a creator, a writer or a show producer, they're trying to market, right? Or to represent Latinos, but they're kind of like, how? Because you do have this humongous community in um, in America that they're like Americanized, you know, that don't feel represented when they see the very stereotypical, very, very Latin character. And then you also see them trying to aprovechar mm -hmm. and getting those like Latin country viewers. So it's like, how can we better represent Latinos because there's so much diversity within our community. I mean, I think just staying true to ourselves and then also creating our own content. But I want to celebrate something that no one's really talked about. I turned on Kiss FM the other day and I was listening to Jay Balvin. Yes. Can we talk about how yeah. that happened? Like, no one's really acknowledged that. They're playing Spanish music on American radio. That's, a, that's something to celebrate. So, like, yes, it, it still sucks, and there's still a long way to go, but we're getting there. Totally. Rita Moreno says this, the door is ajar, but it's not all the way open. And I, even in just in music, you know, um, Beyonce, Drake, partnering with Romeo Santos, and um, who did Beyonce? Was it Romeo, too? I think it was J Balvin. 
Jay Val, yeah, Jay Balvin, that that alone. Yeah. So it's all of us just connecting and getting together, not being like only Latino. Like right. the fact that Beyonce and Jay Balvin work together, Drake and Romel Santos, that is what we have to do is intertwine our communities. We got to hold hands. You know, the, the African-American community, they're so supportive of each other, even if they're not on the project. They're posting each other. They're going to the premieres. They're doing everything. That's what we got to do for each other and create our own content. And yeah. another thing with the, um, that a lot of us are doing is if there's a, a role that comes up. So let's say they're going to cast. It's not happening. I'm not doing a spoiler. But, you know, hypothetically speaking, one day they want um, to cast Anna's mom. I hit up my girls. Hey, I need someone to play my mom. Who can we reach out to? And just we start putting the fillers out there and not relying on casting so much, yes. which I'm fortunate that our casting director is there like, all right, who, who can we get? Like, they really want our opinions. But, you know, that happened recently. Janine Mason asked us like, hey, this is going on. We need a role. Who can I get? America Ferrera reached out to us. And she's like, hey, I have a new love interest on Superstore. Who do you guys recommend? Because they're telling me there's no one out there. And all of us sent names. Like, that's what we got to do is we got to start, stop fighting for roles and creating more by offering opportunity to other people because it does come back to you and creating content. I couldn't agree more with that because it's so funny in the African-American community, that's how they've been able to succeed is because they literally join forces together and they rally along each other. And it's funny because, and I'm sure you've encountered this too, especially being Latina woman, women, there's a little bit of cattiness that happens in the industry where women feel like there's such a drought where they're just like, oh, I can't tell her about this. You know, it's important, you know, for people like you to yeah. say, we have to rally. Like, we're not in competition. We need to support each other in order for our community to move forward. Mira, I can't tell you how many times. And it's sucky feeling, but I'm happy because I know it'll come back. Karma is real. It is real. And I do believe in the golden rule, treat others the way that you would like to be treated. I can't tell you how many times I would go in an audition and I'd be so confident. And as soon as I walked in the door, I was like, you know who'd be better for this part? And I would text her, hey, make sure you go out for this audition and they book it. And I'm like, that would have been a great job and it changed their life. But, you know, I'm glad. And then I got grownish, you know, so it comes back to you. And like we can be catty and I get it because it's scary. This could change my life, all this stuff. But I remember because um, I can talk about it now in January. Um, Christian Serrato's posted a picture of herself. I was like, oh, I have a feeling she's going to book Selena. I knew it. <laughs> Which, that's a dream role for everyone, right? Yeah, right? And I was like, I really want to go out on it, but I feel like it's Christian's. And then she texts me, girl. And I was like, I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it. But I'm so happy for her. It's so well-deserved, you know? We got to support each other. And it comes back to you. It really does. How did you get through that time? I want to take it back for a quick minute. You know, that break between Secret Life and then Gronish. What happened during that time? How was that for you? How did you overcome all of you your know challenges? What's funny is so many people are like, oh, I want to see you on TV again. I was like, I was. It just wasn't doing good work. <laughs> I did a lot of, I really wanted to go a different, like, more independent route. Like, I did like, guest stars on, like, Hit the Floor and Dear White People and, like, other shows and stuff. And it's funny. Sometimes, like, my friends will hit me up. I didn't know you did this. Oh, yeah. But I was really doing a lot of independent stuff because I really want to go to Sundance one day. And so I, you know, put my heart and soul in a role and then the movie comes out and you're like, oh, <laughs> womp womp. <laughs> so, so many factors, right? There's so many factors to it. And there was a time where I was in that weird age where I think I was like in my mid-20s, but I still looked young. And it was weird because producers would know my age and they're like, she can't play 15. I'm like, but I still look 15. 
but I also didn't want to play 15 anymore. I wanted to graduate. And it was actually a weird thing even with Gronish because I'm not going to say who. One person was like, I know her age. She can't do this, which um, she was 19 when I first, 18 when I first started. And I was like, but I still look it. And they're like, well, we don't believe it. I'm like, I literally just did a college show called Dear White People. I just did this. And so I had to send pictures and all this stuff. I'm like, I don't even look 31. At the time, I was, um, I was about to be 29. I was 28. And so um, because, again, I changed someone's mind. Um, they were like, she's the role. She's the role. He fought for me and, made, and said, I'm not doing this unless she's in it. So thankfully, I'm in it. But it, it, I think a lot of the times with child actors, especially when they still have the baby face, it's a weird transition from I'm an adult now, but I still look like a child. Yeah. And that was weird emotionally. And then being ethnic and then being a woman, I was like, what is happening? <laughs> but I'm so grateful for that time. I mean, you know, thunderstorms, they suck. But what happens afterwards? There's sunshine, there's a rainbow, and you're all cute and cozy. That's what happens in life. It's like, you know, it's hard, it's hard, it sucks, it sucks. And then on the other side, you're like so grateful for that sunshine that it's such a powerful lesson. I wouldn't be able to sit here and talk to you guys the way um, I am had I not gone through all of that. And then I was switching representation again because they didn't know what to do with me. And another thing that happened while I was on Secret Life, and I wish que se aprovecharon, is when you're a series regular, when you're on a TV show, a lot of times if you don't have the right representation, um, they shelve you. Oh, she has a job. She's fine. No, that's when we got to like grind. That's when we got to go. But no, I didn't have the right people telling me what to do and how to go to that next level. So it was definitely like a learning process. And um, I'm grateful for the time. But then now I'm even more grateful to be able to still play college, even though yeah. I'm 31. <laughs> my, so, so my castmates, Trevor, actually, Trevor Jackson hates it when I say that. Like, we get it. You're 31. I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> Ageism is real. It is. It's real. It is. So what got you through that time or, or what were the steps that you took after Secret Life? You had obviously the challenge of reps and then no job. So what were your steps? Uh, I went back to acting class um, because another thing that happens when you're a series regular is you kind of get stuck on um, that character and um, you come up with habits that are hard to break. And, you know, that show, they were very specific about their style. So I remember the first time I stepped on a new set Oh my gosh, they were like, can you move? I'm like, uh, we, I, we, I, we weren't allowed to on the last show. So, you know, there's habits that you come up with. So I had to go back to acting class and he was like, oh, I see your habits. He was like, you're bookable. You're not good. And I was like, oh, I was like, I. Who said that, the acting teacher? My acting teacher. Look, what? No, he's amazing. He's Will Smith's coach. I you cannot, <laughs> don't even give that look. He knows what he's talking about. But he said you weren't good. I well, made her better. Well, he made Sometimes you better. Yeah, he yeah. made you better. Okay, no, it was okay, okay. At, yeah, after Secret Life, I went back to acting class. Okay, He's okay. like, you're bookable. I can go in a room and book a job, but you're not good. I don't want to be bookable. I was about to be like, don't talk to my friend like that. No. I was like, what do you mean she's not good? She's I, amazing. I appreciated the honesty. You know, it's like uh, any job. Oh, Melissa, you have your podcast. You know, people will listen. Doesn't mean it's good. Yeah, that's true. So that pushes you to be better. So Striving for excellence, which we always sort of talk about. The, yeah, yeah, because you're right. then you stay satisfied and stagnant. You don't grow. If everyone, oh, you're so good. I don't want yes people around me. So I busted my ass in um, acting class. I started going to therapy, started going to church, and I did whatever I had to do for my own mental and emotional health to grow out of 
the rut I was feeling in and the frustration because I didn't know how to voice my opinion. And also I was so used to hiding behind people because I was like, I thought, you know, we had to hide behind our reps to speak for us, but no one can speak for you better than you can speak for yourself. And that's something that I'm really, really trying to be better about is to stand up for myself and you can do it gracefully without having an attitude. Just be like, Hey, this is my business. Cause at the end of the day, it, you're your own business. You're the CEO of you, of your own company and you have to run it without apologies. You don't have to be an asshole, but just, you know, this is how it is. So we've been talking a little bit about the challenges you faced, especially back in the day. Tell us a little bit about the positive changes that has happened in the industry that you've witnessed in 2019. Um, there's so much more content for us right now. And even um, streaming, that's provided a lot more content for us. Opportunities, especially for us to create our own content. You know, I'm grateful for Freeform that they're really pushing it to, you know, be more diverse and open roles for everyone. That new part, uh, Party of Five show, I'm so excited about. And um, just the way that we're all uniting and we're finally speaking out, that is different. Yeah. I want you to talk a little bit about it. Um, just even like just in the scripts, you know, and like our representation when oh, you're reading. Yeah. I think I don't remember where I heard you say this, but you had said that there was like a line and you're very vocal now about like, well, I don't think that that character would say that, you know, that's yeah. not. Or for instance, like you play a Cuban now. Yeah. I, I would love I would love that because you're Mexican, Hondureña. Yeah. How has that been playing a Cuban? Actually, let me ask you about that. <laughs> let me ask you about that because that was something that I was nervous about. Yes. So I want to ask you guys since you guys are from Miami. For sure. <laughs> Let's I talk remember about it. I was going out for it and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not Cuban, I'm not Cuban. Because I'm guilty. If I see someone playing Mexican, they're not Mexican, I'm like, And I remember people were pissed at JLo for playing Selena. Yeah. Which is, that's the problem right there. So. As a community. So I remember when I booked the part, I went up to my executive producer. I was like, you know, I'm not Cuban, right? <laughs> and he goes, aren't you a part? I was like, no, I'm Mexican Hondureño. Are you going to change the part? No, we're not going to change it. There was a purpose for it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> but you know, I'm not Cuban. <laughs> So I started doing research about the Cuban culture, and I didn't understand that most Cubans are Republican. I had no clue why, everything. So I'm like, okay, let me do the research. The but um, I, my first time going to a uh, Fiercely Latina meeting was at Eva Longoria's house, and I was vocal. I was like, I just booked a show, and I'm not as excited as I want to be. I am, but I'm playing Cuban, and I'm not Cuban, and I'm afraid of you guys because I don't know how you guys will feel. Because again, guilty, I've, I've been pissed before. And then it stirred up a conversation. You know what, that has to change, it doesn't matter. I think Justina Machado said this, she's like, I don't see Americans getting pissed if Australians play them, which is true. Or the English. Not, they the don't UK. Get and it's, it's very interesting that you're saying this, because we, um, in our offices in Miami, we have a wonderful team of interns, and it was a conversation recently. And it was like, they're playing Dominican and they're not really Dominican. I'm like, guys, like that's the problem right there. Mm -hmm. You know, and it I think it stems from the drought that we were talking about earlier. There was such a lack of opportunities that like everybody kind of had this like, well, there's not that many, so it needs to be. And then it's 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 competition rather than collaboration, and in a way we're just holding each other back yet we're like we need more but we're holding each other back so it's like right there you know what i think yeah honestly i would love to know that's not a secret that we do that to each other so then they can do that to us right and that's yeah. what needs to change is they can already do that to us i remember i had i was talking to a producer he goes i'm gonna be 
very legit. If you're not Puerto Rican, you can't play a Puerto Rican role. And I was like, why? That's the problem. And he's a big producer. Mm. So I'm like, we're doing it to ourselves. We can but complain all we want. But then what's the acting part? Well, like, if you're an actor, you're yeah. supposed to play so I roles think- that are outside of yourself. So that's why we're talking about it here in a podcast like this and out there in public so people can, like, have a change of heart and realize I can't get mad I have to celebrate someone who's actually gonna do the work because that was one thing that I prided myself in I did the work in learning the Cuban culture learning the language some lines I remember there was one time (laughs) I'm gonna cuss (laughs) I have been um I remember they were they were like add some Spanish and then so my line was um to Zoe during a party um when she like spazzed out on everyone and I my line was you're acting like a puta and I was like that's more Mexican. And they're like, and so I changed it and I was like, you're acting like a pata sucia because I looked that up. <laughs> See? That is I so was so good. proud of that. Yes. Yes. It is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. So um, I, I think, you know, it's interesting because, you know, at the end of the day, you're acting mm-hmm. and actors have to play characters, whether they're Mexican or Cuban or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I did a show called Hialeah that lives on Facebook that's about a Cuban family. And I'm guilty of saying I need to find Cubans to play Cubans because of the dialect. And I didn't care so much about the dad and the mom. It was more the grandparents because Mm. there's a certain, you know, each culture has a different dialect. And I feel like as an actor, you know, and it's funny because then I found out that the, the, the woman who plays my mom on the show is actually Puerto Rican. I didn't even know. I thought she was Cuban. But she worked so hard on getting the dialect where I didn't even realize that. Yeah, see? So I don't think it's necessarily like, well, you have to be of the culture to play the culture. I just think it's like what you said. You do the work and you prep for it so yeah. that you represent the culture the way that it is right. almost. But I do believe that we all need to rally around each other and celebrate that. Celebrate Because it. Latinos are Latinos. Like, yeah, no matter are. where we come from. Yeah, exactly. You know? We have to act as a collective, as a community, and we have to stop, well, I'm Mexican, well, I'm Puerto Rican. And, like, that's that's not the way. Like, we have to come together. And also, we're, there's never been a better time to be a creator or an artist. Like, there's never been a better so time. So much opportunity, and it's invited, and it's yeah. celebrated, and it's, it's gotten so much easier to be able to create content. And How are you doing that now? So I know you're on a show now. Are you creating content? Are you joining yeah. forces with other content creators? What are you doing to support this movement? I am. You know, at that same um, Fiercely Latina, Eva's house, I remember she was telling all of us, you can produce, you can direct. And at one point, she looked in my eye. Maybe she didn't, but I'm going to say she looked in my eye. <laughs> And she said, you can do it. You're a director. You're a producer. If you focus on it with anything, you can do it. So I was like, okay, all right. So that's been, I'm grateful for Gronish, and I'm, I'm, I'm working so hard there, and I'm so grateful that, like, this next season, yo, Anna is all up in that show, and I'm so happy. Um, but also outside of it, I was like, what can I do? And so, you know, I've, I've been working with friends. Um, I registered a couple treatments to the WGA. I'm meeting with people. I'm asking questions. I'm reading. Um, I'm doing my due diligence and making sure things happen. And the girls and I are getting together. I sat down with Janine Mason. I was like, you can do it. Get a book. Do this. Do that. I've been reading books. I'm like, okay, let's bring it to the screen. I've been doing what I had to do. So you'll see stuff from me soon I mean yeah that's all I'll say (laughs) and how are you so I know you're registering the treatments are you also writing how are you kind of doing the the day-to-day tasks to eventually get something on the screen okay so that's where we can start including other people I'm not a writer me neither so and I I can produce but I cannot write so I thankfully am, I have access to a database where I can see all Latino writers. So that's when we can start reaching out to our friends. Hey, who do you think is better for this? 
and then there goes someone that has another job. Okay, who's a showrunner? Here's someone. This is what they've done, but they haven't gotten the opportunity. And what I've actually learned is um, Latinos don't have a huge opportunity to write drama. They're mostly in comedy. Mm-hmm. And so Latinos no drama. What? <laughs> I don't understand. I'm gonna say that in my next meeting. <laughs> Like we bring That's the drama. I think funny, we know drama. But it's true. They don't get the opportunity. So any um, any specs that I got, they were all comedy. And I'm like, well, that wow. doesn't really fall in line with what I'm looking for. So I don't know where to look. And that was a very interesting discovery this year alone. So uh, again, you know, all right, let me um, dig a little deeper and ask who can do this. And I remember calling Gloria Kelly Calderon and she goes, oh, I have plenty of people for you. But you're right. We don't get opportunity. Mm. I mean, there's not a lot of shows out there either. I think it's also like... When you're in the entertainment industry or just when you're trying to pursue something, right? You try to like, well, who made that happen for that person? So we try to like meet that top executive, that this. But the power is looking linear because we're the next ups. You know what I mean? Like that person sitting in the corner is going to be the next executive one day, right? It's looking linear instead of going up. So it's what you're saying is amazing. It's like, well, I'm not a writer, so let me look around and see the writers. And that's really where the magic happens. And if you really study these companies or, you know, these even these networks, these that have been around forever, that's really how it started. Like majority of them were like friends. Like look at Spielberg and all his director friends doing amazing, they're like friends. they're all friends and that's what we have to do. You know, it's it's not, well, let me go and try to meet Spielberg. It's like, your friend, Johnny, is going to be the next Spielberg. You know what I mean? But we all, like, that's the power of what you're saying. And I, and I hope that's resonating with everybody because if that's one thing that we have to start doing, it's that. It's working linear. Yeah, and just having the faith that it's going to happen. And it's hard work. I mean, if you listen to any story, any fairy tale, they go through hardships before they have their happy ending. It's always hard, but we don't want to go through that hardship because we can see the happy ending already. But you almost have to. Yeah. And then another point I was going to say as far as like wanting to meet Spielberg, do the jobs that you don't want to do. Maybe you were the CEO of a shoe company and you said, I want to go on TV and film. Well, you're going to, even though you were the boss, you're going to have to be an intern. Mm. And that speaks a lot of volume. I'm a yoga teacher on the weekends. I get paid $14 an hour and I love my job. I'm an actress during the week and I'm a yoga teacher during the weekend. You look amazing. I must say. Thank you so much. It's hot yoga, so I'm always sweating. Oh my God. <laughs> I, well, that your skin. Guys, that's the secret. She's playing college because she does hot yoga. I do hot yoga. <laughs> y me quita mucho stress. I learned, I was like, I, you know, I was gaining weight for a while, and I had so much stress, and I had to get rid of some people, and as soon as I did, I would just shredded the weight because I felt freedom, and that was painful. It's been hard. Let's talk about that. Just kind of, you know, Mel and I learned this lesson this year that sometimes when God gives you... And, and Mel and I definitely are so strong in our faith. When when you're given a dream, sometimes we think, oh, it can't happen if I don't have this person. Or, you know, we try to, yep. yeah. And I think Mel and I learned this, is that when you're given a dream and somebody that is not supposed to be a part of that dream is still in your life and they show you they shouldn't be in your life, but you keep them there, the dream does not come to fruition. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy that once... Like the second that that person, you finally say, nope, out of my life, things start happening. I have a testimony about that. Talk about it. I I had someone working with me that wasn't supposed to be in my life. And I knew it, but I was scared that if I stopped working with them, no one else would work with me. Fear. Mm -hmm. And then my pastor said, you have to let this person go. 
because God will not let you graduate in life because he's not supposed to graduate with you because he wasn't a good person. He's not supposed to graduate with you. And so I made the hard decision and I did it. I, girl, I booked Grownish like a month later. That's so crazy. Wow. No, that's, it's so Which true. is like the biggest thing that could have happened. Yeah. I did like, that, that's, that was when I worked with him was when I did those little want, want movies. And I'm like, oh, I get it. I get it. And I'm getting phone calls from people like, hey, um, I'm working with this person. I'm like, go, get away now. Get away now. Yeah, they're not supposed to graduate with you. And then my pastor said, because here's the thing, if you graduate in life and they're still with you, they're going to use your name as leverage to manipulate someone else. Mm. That's why people can't graduate with you. And as painful as it is, I promise you, feel the freedom that you feel when you get rid of them is so much better. But isn't it so crazy that sometimes we, t we tie in like our purpose, ultimately, like our purpose, our calling in life to other people. Like when you feel you have something to do that is for you, nobody, okay, is going to take that away from you. And it's crazy that you felt like I'm not going to, you know, mm -hmm. if, if I don't work with this person, like no human being, it's not, it, it's just crazy. My it's pastor just did a sermon about this at yeah. Oasis Church. He said, it'll um, take you off track. So if you're on the path, if you make a decision to work with people or do something that takes you off of the path, then you're off the path. So recently he was just handed the baton and now he's a lead pastor. And he was impatient because, um, he, he, I'm going to butcher it, but you guys can look it up at Oasis Church. Um, but he was talking about how when he first started working at the church, he was just serving like coffee and he was like, I'm going to add marshmallows and make it more special. But he's like, I know I'm better than just serving marshmallows. Like he has such a gift in praying and preaching and everything. He goes, I know, but they wouldn't let him graduate. So he had to work, 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 work. And eventually got so frustrated that he left the church. Now... God planned for that church to be handed over to someone. But he said, because I went off the path and then he came back, because there's always a chance to come back, that that opportunity would have gone to someone else. So sometimes there is a story written for you. But if you get off the path, God's going to be like, all right, you missed out on the opportunity. I'm going to give it to something one else because you're not ready. And I don't know when you're going to be ready. And then the job, the opportunity, whatever, it goes to someone else. And you're over there like, how did they get that? Yeah. That should have been me. That could have been me. But that, that proves, I, I believe in this theory that, you know, our dreams are not ours. They, they belong to God and that we are just here to execute them. Mm -hmm. And if we can just focus on what we think is our dream or our purpose, we're, we're going to get those opportunities because we're listening to what he's telling us to do. But it's also like, why do you want it? Especially with this industry. Oh, the fame, the money. Okay. Well, we're of service. It's an, all but industries are of service. We are of service. Yeah. We are of service. Yeah. You know, so if it's about the fame and money, that's not going to happen for you. If no, that's, it's not going to happen. But if your heart's in the right place, like, okay, I just, like right now, we're preaching the word of God. We're preaching right now. God's like, this is why you're doing this. And this is why I'm going to continue to let you graduate. Not just to walk around and be like, oh, I'm famous. I got money. Look how many followers I got. It's no, I'm a Christian. This is my path with the Lord, and this is what I'm going to talk about because that is all of our jobs here. Yeah. It's so funny. Our mentor, Mignon Francois from Nashville, had told us this about our podcast. When we started the show, we didn't we, – honestly, we have never done this before. Like, we just were like – we knew that we had to do it, and we didn't know what it looks like. But she said to us, like – I mean, this woman, God speaks to her all the time. But she's just like, you think that this podcast is just your idea and it's your dream? Like, it doesn't belong to you. Yeah. Like, he was given to you to execute for him, but it's a much – it's a, it's a bigger purpose for your life. And I mean, I'm, you know me, I'm an actress. That's all I've ever been. Yeah. 
but I have never felt more fulfilled. And I feel like when you allow God to take the wheel in your life and you're no longer the driver and you're just like, okay, great, just lead me. He's going to lead you to unexpected places. And sometimes God changes your dream. Absolutely. Yes. And that sometimes that's hard. It is. It is. That's hard, but it's okay. It is. Um, one of my good friends is Jay Shetty. He was a monk. I love Jay Shetty. We oh my love God, Shetty. please. One of the like, love most, him. He was a monk, and like I think he was like, okay, I'm good. You know, this is my life. Mm. And then God was like, no, there's a shift. And now look at him. And he was like, I didn't know how. I didn't know what I was gonna do. He said the same thing as you. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I would tell people my dream, and they were like, you can't do it. Yeah. And he's like, well, I'm gonna do it now. It's crazy. Yeah, he's- He's the number one And it's podcast. okay, and it's okay for them to change your dream. And maybe you have a dream, you have a beautiful voice, and you have a dream of being a singer. Maybe it's not to be a famous singer. Maybe it's to be the lead worship singer at your church. Mm. And you'll graduate from that at some point, in some way. My mom today was like, Ay, es que sabes, yo, yo siempre tuve un sueño de estar en la tele. Siempre le decías a mis hermanos, voy a estar en la tele, voy a estar en la radio, voy a hacer algo. She goes, I didn't do it, but my daughter's doing it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that dream does come true, and it's, you know, I mean, I follow, I, what is, what is the word? Like you follow, you follow on, in her footsteps? Not following her footsteps. Oh, I don't know. You know what I'm looking for. Yeah, I do. What is it? <laughs> like you're following her dream. You're living her dream. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, the, her right. dream came, thr- came, came true, through, but you. through me. Right. There you right. go. Right. Yeah. That's and awesome. Sometimes you have to be okay with that. I also think sometimes like we put a pressure of like, oh, I got to make my dream happen now. And like life is long if we take care of ourselves and, you know, we're meant to be here. Life can be very long and you can live. And it was funny. I was talking to my good friend, Hector, who's here. Love him. Shout out to Hector. Um, You know, outside, I was like, my God, I feel like I've lived multiple lives in this one life. I'll talk about that. I want to touch on that. It's not even about like life being long. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying if you have a dream, can you imagine someone saying... I want to be a heart surgeon tomorrow. Are you going to trust him? Hell no. To give you (laughs) open heart surgery? They got to go to school and school and debt and master's degrees. And even when they're still (laughs) dead, I I didn't even realize I said that. (laughs) I'm on a comedy all of a sudden. Um, But even when they're doctors, if they're still not studying, I don't want you to touch me. It takes time. It takes time. Time. You have to work hard. You have to do your due diligence. So it's not even so much that life is hard as if all of a sudden you are, again, running a shoe company and you decide to be a stylist. I'm sorry. You don't know how to style. Just because you know how to dress doesn't mean you're a stylist. There, uh, there's a lot to it. You have to become an assistant and learn the business. So, yeah. Like we're the, trying to skip around, right? For sure. I see that everywhere. Yeah. And I also think that that, you know, in our line of work, we we interview so many people. We get the chance to actually hear from audience as well. And there's a big problem with anxiety and depression amongst our generation. And a lot of it has to do with these time pressures of life. Like, I need it tomorrow. Like well, I, I get it, too, yeah. because here's the thing. I'm 31 and I have, you know, castmates that are 10 years younger than me that are in a different level in their careers that I'm still working hard for. So it gets frustrating. I get it. But I slowed myself down because I got off my path. So now I'm trying to get back on track and it's going to happen, but I slowed myself down. And sometimes you that's the hardest thing is you have to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, I did this to myself. You can't blame anyone else. That's amazing. So we're going to wrap it up, unfortunately. I don't oh, want you quick. to go. That was really quick. <laughs> what is... What is the best piece of advice that you can give our generation today? Oh, wow. That's very broad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 
Um, well, since we got all spiritual and stuff. Um, you know, uh, my intention for class recently has been new beginnings, uh, embraced in new beginnings. And as painful as they are, a lot of times pain um, is something that we have to embrace and make the decision to leave on the floor. And sometimes it's a new beginning that you're not ready for. Like I recently had to make a change that I wasn't ready for, but I knew I had to make it. And that comes with the pain and transformation. When a door closes, another one opens for sure. So embrace the pain, take it. And I tell my students with each heartbeat, with each space in your heartbeat, say thank you to yourself for being selfish and doing what you need to do for you. They will be taken care of. They are not your responsibility. And Jay said this to me one time. Leave yesterday in the past, leave tomorrow in the future, focus on the present. And for anyone that's trying to get in the industry or do what they want to do, embrace the open doors and the ones that are closed, let them stay closed because they were not for you. Don't get off your track, stay on your path and just follow what you're supposed to do as painful as it can be sometimes. Beautiful. Beautifully said. I don't know what I just Thank said. you. Beautiful. Well, you were, God spoke <laughs> through you. <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you, Francia, Thanks so for much for me. being here. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you want to learn more about Francia, follow her on Instagram at Francia Raisa and watch her show Gronish on Freeform. Subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes and Spotify. Ladies, this helps us continue to bring you powerful conversations just like this to you every single week. Are you looking for free and discounted resources? then sign up right now to our free newsletter at wearemillennialwomen.com because subscribers only get freebies and perks to help you become the best version of yourself. We encourage you to continue on with the conversation. Keep being the strong, amazing woman that you are and never forget to live inspired. Until next time, MW. Always love Melissa and Stephanie Kirkache.